welcome everybody to the Faith and Belief Forum podcast. Uh, I'm joined today by Ben Shapiro from the Faith and Belief Forum, who runs our Parliamentors Leadership Programme for university students. And uh, we're just about to start a new year of the programme, a new cohort of young leaders are coming in. Uh, and be interesting just to catch up with you, Ben, about the programme and about what we are hoping is going to happen this year. Um, but before we get into uh, more particularly about what's happening this year, it'd be interesting just for the, the listeners who are new to the programme, who don't know about Parliamentals, for just to hear a little bit from you about um, what the programme is all about. What is Parliamentals? What is this wonderful leadership programme that we run every year? So you're right, it is a wonderful leadership programme. It's an interfaith political leadership programme. It takes five students at lots of different universities across the country. Um, they're selected from hundreds of applications that we get, and then we pick five at each university to work together over the year in a team of people from different faiths and beliefs and cultural backgrounds. Over the year, they get lots of training from us, uh, from the Faith and Belief Forum, uh, lots of lots of support and advice from alumni who've been on the program. There's about 550 alumni who've graduated from the program already. And also what's really special is they also get mentored by one MP who's linked to that, that university team. Uh, that means they meet them a few times over the year. Um, they get to talk to them about what it's like to be an MP, to do their job, uh, to be a that constituency representative, uh, what it's actually in Parliament, all, all of their sort of advice and experience is so vital to these emerging leaders that are on the programme each year. What the students are doing while they're on the programme, obviously, is learning more about uh, people, other people's backgrounds. But the core part of the programme is they develop a social action project to support uh, the communities around the university who they know are in need by talking to people, to leaders in the community, so maybe uh, people at places of worship or services or, cha or charities in the area. And then think of innovative ways of delivering those uh, to those needs and doing it in tandem with people who are already really invested in those issues. So it's one, um, so, so it's, it's one MP mentor per team, it's per university team. So how, so how many um, MP mentors do we have on the programme every year? So yeah, uh, this year there's going to be nine universities. Queen Mary University of London, SOAS, University of Nottingham, Nottingham Trent University, University of Birmingham, Birmingham City University, Coventry University, um, so, uh, Liv University of Liverpool and the University of Manchester. So there's a couple of universities in sort of a few different regional hubs. So there's nine MPs of which actually most of them have been, we're really lucky to have their support each year for many years now. So there's uh, Stephen Timms, Preet Gill, who are both champions of the Faith and Belief Forum and have been uh, mentors for many, many years. There's William Ragg, Ben Bradley, have both been mentors for at least three years, but I think William's been for five. Um, Jess Phillips has been a mentor, I think, for five years as well. And it's so great to have their support because they've obviously seen students go through the journey, so are really able to tailor their advice to the different stages. Um, 
but it's also just great that they're doing it as volunteers who are passionate about getting young people into politics and particularly people from less represented backgrounds um it that's just we're so blessed and obviously the students are huge hugely benefit from their experience and their desire to help and practically speaking what do the mps the mp mentors do what kind of experiences uh do they do they share with the students on the program so normally uh the mp mentors are really like very open and very honest so they'll share about what their sort of pathway into politics has been uh why they decided to why they decided that they should try and be an mp how how they wanted to help people um why being an mp was the best way to do that in their opinion and then they'll often they'll almost always talk about the sort of local campaigns that they're really passionate about and they know are really important to their constituents um they'll also talk about national campaigns that um they commit a lot of time and energy to so sometimes they're you know uh they're from a teaching background i know and so education policy is something that's really really personally important to them because they've seen it firsthand and so they'll talk to their students about that um they'll also give the students advice on the students next steps so if they want to get into politics they want to go straight into politics sort of what the routes that they could try and take are like working for MPs or campaigning for a party um getting behind particular campaigns that a party will have um but also much more general uh, sort of wider careers advice because of course MPs come into contact with so many people um and have so so much sort of good advice and experience to share they also sort of really give them an incredible insight into the everyday life of an MP of a politician um they've obviously got their constituencies so they go along to their constituency office and just see what that's like um they'll also go along to westminster and see what uh usually they'll see sort of the tour of the of the palace of westminster they'll go into usually a debate or prime minister's questions um quite often the mp's have taken the students to some of the tea rooms uh all that kind of thing that you need to be taken to you can't just go to yourself which so it's just a really special experience for those students and it's only because the mp's are really nice and just do that because they want to be kind um and then often they'll bring them along to constituency events that they think the students would be particularly interested in or would be helpful for their social action project they might make some good links at those events or some events in parliament that they have that the MPs have access to so i know that i think some of them have been to uh, select committees which is amazing access um or all party parliamentary groups or appgs for short um yeah so they just get an incredible they get an all-round insight into pretty much everything especially if the students talk about what they're interested in often the MPs and their staff will try really hard to make sure the students get experiences that are really related to their interests and what do you hope that the students will take away from all of this at the end of the day um what would your impact is going to be on them uh, sort of i guess in the medium to long term sure so a lot of students we get sort of hundreds of applications uh from students each year and we're really looking for people who are passionate about interfaith passionate about social action and making change and also passionate about politics but not everybody who applies and is successful is passionate about all three of those things and so what we really hope the mps are able to do 
is for people who are already passionate about politics, uh, open some doors and really help them keep going with their journey as a leader in politics. Uh, that's really important because, you know, it's so much, things are always easier if someone's there trying to help you. I mean, these are, these are all exceptional people. Um, and so that the help they get is magnified enormously. But then there's also people who've never really considered politics as something that, you know, might be for them. And that could be for a real range of reasons. Often people talk about sort of lack of representation of people like them. So people from their background, so class or gender, ethnicity, faith, of all being sort of things that um, uh, participants talk about not being represented. And so being in these spaces and feeling so comfortable and confident in them because you get invited in and shown around and made to feel like it's also a space for you. That's something that's really important. And we've seen so many different uh, alumni from the program take that experience and take that confidence and do excellent, excellent things that are really needed. Uh, so one alum helped us to spearhead a campaign for Seek, uh, a, a month for Seek awareness in the UK, uh, working with politicians, uh, leaders in the Sikh community um, and other people he'd met. Uh, who were interested in supporting it. And it was sort of that confidence that was brought just from being in those spaces so much that helped to make him confident to do that kind of campaign and work with those kinds of stakeholders. In terms of the, the, uh, the social action projects on the programme, it'd be interesting to hear some examples of, you know, what kind of things do they tend to get up to? What, what sorts of projects do they run? Do you have any, any highlights, any, any, any favourites from the years that you want to share with us? Oh yeah, so there's been, we're entering the 15th year of the Parliamentals programme this year. There's, the new students will be the 15th cohort. And each year there's around sort of seven to ten pro, uh, projects that happen, uh, which means we're sort of around 150 projects from those 15 years. Um, and there's been a huge range. There's been uh, people clearing allotments, people doing pen, pen pal schemes with people, lonely, people identified as lonely in old age homes food collections, um, and so much more. I suppose the ones for me that really stand out are when the students have done a really good bit of research, looking at what the needs are, what the wants are um, from people around the university who, who live there, and that's, where they, that's their life, and then thought about how they can meet those needs. So, so, so some of those examples, uh, some, the University of Nottingham team, about four years ago, uh, spoke to lots of local charities and asked them sort of what needs they had and what issues they had identified that they just themselves couldn't fix right now. And they one one need was they're speaking to Age UK, I think, obviously a big um, charity that works with old with older people, um, and they were talking about loneliness in um, in old age homes, care homes, and retirement homes people who didn't have anyone to visit them or other things like that, maybe couldn't be visited for different reasons. Um, so the students at the University of Nottingham set up a society on campus called Pension Pals, uh, where they organized students to just write letters to, uh, to these people who were uh, lonely and then get letters back from them and just keep going. Um, and it was fantastic because I mean, it cost virtually nothing. We do offer the students sort of money to support their projects, to buy resources and things, but 
all this cost was stamps and paper, which I think everybody who took part was able to access themselves. Um, and they made so many of these links between students, because there's thousands of students at the university um, who are all, loads and loads of them are happy to sign up and be part of the scheme. Um, and it continued afterwards. I think it's still going on, it's still continued because it's a society on campus. So they just um, need a few people to sort of take over the admin of the project. Um, and then it just keeps providing some stimulus and some support for people who are lonely in Nottingham. And I think uh, outside of the region now, just there's so many people. Other ones where it's just amazing sort of use of what they, the sort of links they had in the community a Coventry team from a few years ago, uh, I think around 2017, found that there was just a lot of people who wanted allotments that couldn't get allotments. There wasn't enough allotments to go around. Uh, and there was a place with like, like not big gardens, so people couldn't, didn't have their own like green space to care for. And that was something they wanted. Uh, so then they found a huge bit of land that was supposed to be allotments, but had been allowed to get really overgrown over the years. And it was enormous and the, there was like weeds and brambles and rubbish just piled up well above a person's sight, so two, three, four meters up. And over the course of the winter, over the sort of three or four months until around February, they got this, they got all this land cleared. It's like a few square kilometers or a few square miles, doesn't really matter like which uh, system you use. And got so many people volunteer to clear that, got people who were doing community payback to help clear it as well. Uh, and so then by the time it was around February and you could start like planting things, the land was this huge amount of land was clear and they were able to give allotments to loads of people that wanted them, who had like a bit of expertise in actual like allotment care, uh, to some social enterprises who uh, grew vegetables and things but also brought people who lived in like away from na well, nature, away from sort of places where vegetables get grown and bring those people, bring those young people to see sort of how that happens. Um, and it was really one of the things that was just excellent was allotments by their nature are kind of communal resources. Um, so this will exist forever, but you had a lot of mixing of people who might, who might not have met able to sort of share their expertise on those allotments and bring people together in a, in a way that will just last forever, um, which was excellent. Um, they were a very enterprising group. Uh, they realized their tools had got stolen. And like within about half an hour, they managed to get them all replaced for free from like, different charity shops and stuff, which was just fantastic. So sort of the number of links they built up in the community. Okay, so we have, have all these students from different backgrounds, different faith and belief backgrounds, uh, and different cultural backgrounds and so on. We bring them together and then they receive training. Uh, they have all these opportunities to engage in social action projects and, and learn how to practically bring about effective change. They have opportunities for interfaith dialogue and to get to know people from different backgrounds and have sort of meaningful uh, interactions and, and conversations with them and, and build these friendships and build networks. And then they get access to you know, sort of access to the sort of halls of power. You know, they they are being shown around the, showing around Westminster. They get to meet politicians. They get to talk to them and so on. And they get to learn about how the system works, how to work, I guess, within the system to to bring about change, as well as working on social action uh, to bring bring about more, I guess, direct change in their local area. So they give they're giving all these opportunities. 
all this training, all these experiences, and, and we're doing this every year. So every year there's a new cohort of, you know, sort of 40, 45, 50 students who've had this experience, you know, this cohort of young, diverse leaders. What's the, um, the end goal, the overall aim? What's, the, what's the, the impact we're hoping this will have on society and, and on our politics more broadly? We obviously, we're selecting people who are emerging leaders already. Um, and so when we're giving them extra skills and extra experience and extra yeah, networks, so what we want to see, what we are seeing, is that these uh, students go on to graduate and become leaders in a range of sectors, start their own organizations, start their own charities, uh, social enterprises, businesses. And in those roles, they're using this experience and these networks that they've got to lead in a different way, uh, which, is, which just improves the world around them. Um, but one thing that's that's so vital is that the experiences they get just from having this really close bond with four other students who are from really different backgrounds to them helps to sort of inform their worldview in a way that, that they, we know because they tell us they know they know is different to how they would have they, they would have viewed the world before. Um, so you have lots of people who um, are really led a lot in their own sort of faith community uh but not not had loads of um experience of of leading with other people from other backgrounds and that's usually just a sort of demographic um thing just a geographical uh, fact if you live in different places you have different people around you uh, but this program sort of brings different people together and gives them different perspectives so then when a issue does come up in their leadership a few years later, they can sort of reflect on what they learn on the parliamentals program and even talk to their friends who they're still in contact with like many years later and sort of get their input, get their sort of eyes on it, on that, on that issue and respond to it in just a much better way than uh, they might have done otherwise. And I think you, you often see where people maybe just dismiss, where sometimes you find leaders sort of dismissing the concerns of people uh, because they just see it. They don't understand why those, why people have those issues. I mean, you look at the response to things like black lives matter in the UK, but also across the world. And you have some, you have some leaders who just aren't uh, like acknowledging and understanding the sort of lived experiences that give rise to the feelings that, that give rise to those movements. And I think what we see is people who go onto the program, who might not have known people who have had such different experiences to them spend a year really getting so close to the to people who've had so many different like formative experiences and then later in their life when they meet someone who've had who's had a real range of different experiences to them and have different passions and concerns and priorities they're able to engage with them just so much better um, and really empathize with them and and find common ground and find like good solutions to problems that where everybody's happy because everybody's like really listening to each other. We are now in the middle of the global COVID-19 pandemic. Obviously a lot of what we do and, and you know, a lot of what interfaith work is usually about, it's about interaction, it's about face-to-face -face dialogue um, and also social action projects 
are often involve a lot of people getting together to do things together in the same space. Many of those things are things that either are more, much more difficult to do during times of social distancing and so on, or kind of virtually impossible to do or actually impossible to do. So I'm assuming that, you know, we are, well, we are obviously adapting, needing to adapt the program somewhat this year to these new and to use a slightly overused expression, these new and unprecedented circumstances. We're having to adapt the program. And so can you talk a little bit about how parliamentals will be different this year and how it's adapting to the pandemic? Sure. So, I mean, the pandemic sort of hit midway or so two thirds of the way through last year's uh, program uh, cycle. So we've had some experience already of doing things like MP meetings online through, through online platforms, which has actually been quite helpful because it means students are able to just meet very quickly. They leave one lecture and into the next uh, and meeting their MP next, which is an amazing experience for them. And yeah, we've, we've moved a lot of our training online. Some of it we'll be doing as the whole cohort of uh, nine universities, the five students, so 45 people all together. And, you know, normally we'd do an induction residential training where everyone stays together for three days and two nights and it's long days of training together. Whereas this year uh, we'll do that training still over, well, we'll do lots of the training still over three days. Um, but we'll also find ways of breaking out and doing some of the training just as a group of 10 who are all in the same region. So like the University of Liverpool and Manchester together, um, doing some training together um over more days over more time which is which is not such a bad thing because three days from sort of nine till nine is a pretty pretty long slog it requires a lot of stamina um and so this will actually be i think quite helpful in sort of allowing people time to reflect on what they're learning and their experience uh, what they're experiencing um it's also really good that um, we can do group meetings like each team of five can meet up um, sort of maybe at seven o'clock in the evening after they've finished with their other sort of responsibilities in their life, maybe caring for children or parents or other, other adults in their lives um, or work. This way, everyone can just meet up at the drop of a hat. You don't have to come to a central location. I suppose one really big change is that in the past, uh, students have been able to really do whatever social action project they've they've got the, they can see the need for, they've spoken to people and there's a really confirmed sort of need uh, for that, for that help. This year, we really don't want anyone to put themselves at risk while they're doing their social action project or put anyone else at risk because they might be living with people who are vulnerable or they don't even realize they're vulnerable, uh, but later they find out they are. So the projects are really going to be looking at how people who are most affected by COVID can be supported in their local communities. Uh, so you have people who are more vulnerable because of their age or because of their employment or I mean, students at schools who have uh, less like, than one device per, per student in a household. That, that's a big, it's a bit, that makes a big difference. There's so many different people who are being affected more by the virus than other people that will be who the students this year are trying to help the most, uh, which is obviously a really big difference 
uh, to any year before, but also a really good opportunity for these students to sort of lead as they already are doing, but to show sort of what university students can be doing and what anybody can be doing to support the people around them during COVID. So the programme is it's a year long and it runs alongside students' regular studies. Um, and then at the end of their year, we hope that people will then sort of join our alumni network. And can you talk a little bit about the sort of life beyond this, this one year that, that people are, are kind of doing the main bit of the programme and how we hope that people will then sort of stay in touch and stay involved and people will continue on their interfaith journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the programme finishes uh, usually in around June uh, with a graduation ceremony in, in, in the Palace of Westminster. Um, and then that's sort of one of the, that's the last time they're on the core programme before they become alumni. And what's really nice is usually that graduation is hosted by alumni. There's often alumni there who speak about what they've gone on to do next and alumni who are just there to enjoy, enjoy the graduation. But yeah, loads of the alumni, uh, loads of that sort of group of 550 stay in touch with us in lo lots and lots of different ways. Uh, there's great stories of them volunteering with us as an organisation, uh, speaking in schools, um, and hopefully there'll be even more doing it this year as it hopefully it becomes more virtual and maybe even more accessible. Uh, so sharing their story um, with, with schools and students at those schools. We also run lots of events uh, with the alumni. So there's, there's things like a monthly book club, which uh, reads books uh, that just sort of explore different experiences from people around the world, uh, which is obviously a great way of learning more about others during COVID if, if you can't really meet people. There's the annual Interfaith Summit that's run by uh, alumni from the Faith of Belief Forums programs. Uh, it was started by alumni of the Parliamentals program. It's a yearly event that brings together hundreds of young people who want, who want to be a part of interfaith events, but often there's not loads of interfaith events for sort of younger adults um, after university. So that's really important. Uh, there's the annual Interfaith Iftar, uh, or at least one Iftar, uh, that the Faith and Belief Forum runs, and that's often also organised by alumni from the Parliamentals programme. Um, and there's so, they've also, so many people who have started organisations that touch our different social needs, but with a sort of lens of looking at identity as well. So one example is The Delicate Mind, a charity that, support, uh, that supports mental health, but particularly amongst South Asian people, I think South Asian men in particular, but sort of looking at a, a wider societal need, but really focusing in on one particular um, sort of part of that. There's another, uh, there's another uh, project, Foundervine, that's excellent. It, help, it supports young black entrepreneurs to found businesses, get funding, get um, advice and mentoring, and so just all the different things that you'd need as a young, as a young entrepreneur of any, of any background, but particularly supporting black entrepreneurs because there are other challenges that are faced uh, by them. Um, and that's just a really, there's another example of an excellent project that's been started by an alum that's sort of focusing on a societal need, but also a particular aspect of identity. And there's so many other projects like that, that we support uh, by sharing their work 
by um, by uh, signposting people to them, uh, by any any other sort of uh, things they come to us asking to do. We're always really really happy to help. One thing that I was thinking about is, you know, a lot of what we do is dialogue, dialogue across difference, people with different faiths and beliefs and belief systems, you know, engaging in dialogue and learning to understand each other. A program like Parliamentals, which is so focused on leadership and as the name suggests just well with, you know, Parliament in the title, the kind of the political side of it is obviously quite important. Political beliefs and you know, political values and beliefs are also beliefs. To what extent does that enter into the dialogue, kind of people having to learn to understand each other across political divides as well as religious and other kinds of belief divides? Absolutely. That's one of the things that when you speak to alumni, they reflect on very often and sometimes quite humorously uh, because you've got a group of five students and we and we really we work hard to ensure that there's a mixture of political beliefs inside those groups of five, and then they that five are just mentored by one MP, um, who could be from any party. I mean, I think almost I think all of our MPs have been from Labour, uh, the Lib Dems, or the Conservative Party in the time the programmes run. But that that's mainly because those are the biggest parties in England where the programmes mainly run. So you'll often have people who go and meet their MP and have done some research and have sort of all kinds of ideas about who they are and what's important to this person and what the conflict is with their own opinions about how the world works and be maybe they'll talk to me and be a little bit nervous about that and then they'll go and meet that MP for the first time and they'll feel they'll sort of talk about how they feel really really heard and really listened to and then Offer, like sometimes uh, students then go on to work in parliament for a different party to their MP and then their MP, they'll like be sitting in Portcullis House which is sort of one of the main place, one sort of main places where MPs and MP staff work in London and they'll see their old MP who will come up to them and say hello and see how they're doing because they like really clearly remember them they know they're not from the same party but like for the, the whole point is that they help that student on their journey the sort of knowing that people have different political beliefs is something that you, I suppose, learn more about on the programme and about why people have those different beliefs. But the sort of value of just working well with other people is, I think, really clear to everyone involved. So regardless of sort of what your opinions are and what, how, about how the sort of world works for, on any aspect of religious or political, it's so great when you hear, well, so often uh, you hear these stories of people seeing so much more about each other's sort of humanity outside of those differences and being really passionate about working well together regardless. Questions of identity, questions of social identity, um, you know, so questions of race, gender, etc., seem to be occupying an increasingly central part of our political discussions, our political dialogues uh, and our political debates. You mentioned Black Lives Matter earlier, but also you know other questions of of, of gender, but also also religion and and faith, and you know questions of Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, etc. So many of these questions of identity and, and and how they impact people's lives are, are increasingly a central part of of our political debates. What do you think that means for the importance of a program like Parliamentals and having leaders who 
are more capable of engaging with, with these questions in, in, I guess, in a more nuanced way and are capable of understanding different perspectives and, and different kinds of lived experiences? So, yeah, I mean, what you've touched on there, that, that sort of young people being able to engage with that, I think part of the reason that um, lived ex- that sort of identity has become more and more important is that it's being driven by young people who are really aware of their own identity and really aware of the things that are missing from wider society that's represented more more often. Um, and so then that difference being really stark, being really aware of it and being confident to talk about it, I think is what's driven these identity, this, this sort of news about identity uh, into the open more and more. And so what we're really pleased about is that we've got young leaders who hold their identity really strongly and really firmly and really confidently, but then they spend so much time learning about other people and learning about, like, about why they hold different beliefs and where their identity comes from and what the sort of story is uh, that creates that identity, which means that when they go on to lead in all kinds of other settings, they have that grounding, they have that education that you can't really get from, from learn, you can't really get from a book. You can only get from having these really strong relationships. And I think that is only good for sort of Britain's future. Although we have students on the program from uh, countries all over the world I think it's only good for the future of everybody uh, that we have so many leaders who have have their own uh, beliefs really strongly held, meet MPs who also have really strongly held uh, political but also faith-based uh, beliefs, and they can see that you can make it all the way to the top while doing that, and at the same time learn about how other people see the world and see that that's no barrier to working together and creating solidarity and creating change that is best for everyone. This year's Parliamentus programme has just launched, so keep an eye on our social media channels for more news and updates. Engage with us and the students on the programme. And yeah, thank you very much. This podcast was brought to you by the Faith and Belief Forum. You can find us at faithbeliefforum.org and on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.